Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I am doing well. And it is the Tuesday before the week before Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're going to 
we're going to take a break next Tuesday. We're not going to be doing the show. We're going to take a one Tuesday break. Is that what you heard? Yes. That's yes, what that's heard. what I heard. So we we didn't Everybody have a guest for next week, so we decided to take the week off, which will be uh, good for good, good for us to spend some time with our families doing what we do. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing mm-hmm. this week? Um, let's see. Well, today I have been doing like a bunch of processing with my kids in the kitchen we made like blueberry muffins and some borscht and then I did uh I'm processing a bunch of the CBD that I grew this summer some of the CBD plants and I just made um this tallow infused coconut oil um and I whip it up and I made it last year too and it's it's really nice and I'll send you some I actually have been waiting for it to be done so I could <laughs> Wow, it really like sounds it. wonderful. Yeah, it's so uh, it's so it's so absorbable. It's really nice and it's really like smooth and yeah. And let's see, I have been working with uh, ginkgo a lot lately, and um, I have a tree, a female tree that I harvest from that has the berries, and so I've been kind of doing my own little dieta with the ginkgo, and just having some every single day and. I have been working with this particular tree for many years, over like probably like 12 years, and so I just uh, I just like to deepen that relationship with it every year because I feel like ginkgo is so it's a powerful old tree, you know, and just getting getting in there like to see uh, how I don't know it's just so wise it kind of opens up this little doorway I can see like through that um brings like very ancient wisdom through and i and it's like it's telling me it's the tree of immortality you know and it's uh it's a beautiful tree so i'm happy to be working with it mm. yeah and i've been working a lot with hawthorne and i'm gonna do the same thing a little dieta with that i i was doing last year um with my sound healings I was uh, doing these like kind little dietas where I would work with a particular plant each time before I do a sound healing and bring the spirit of it through. And so I'm starting to do that again now that I'm getting more settled into my place of um, where I'm living now. And it feels good to be deepening the relationship with the plants, you know. I know. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. In a time when we're all so much wanting to go back to normal in terms of seeing each other's faces and hugging each other and being together and yet knowing that's probably not going to be for a while yet to have that relationship with the plants to really allow your joy and your connectedness to flower in that giveaway dance that we always have with the plants because we're always breathing with them can really bring us some joy and some ease in times that stay very troubled. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and um I and I also wanted to tell people that I'm going to be having a Black Friday or if you want to call it a Black Friday or a Green Friday sale that will last the whole week after Thanksgiving. So just to give people a heads up, they can check it out in my my Etsy shop. I don't sell the CBD there, 
because it's just like a legality thing. But if they wanted to contact me directly, that's something that they could do. And um, this particular CBD plan, I just wanted to say, is like something that my friend bred for his CBD company. And it has a tie in these other uh, CBG and like these other pain relieving anti-inflammatory like anti-anxiety that they're finding that is um, very useful as well. So he bred it especially for these other parts of the CBD, CBG, all this stuff, you know. So it's pretty interesting. The entourage, and, entourage effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's it's fun to work with and um, grow these plants and stuff. I really I really enjoy the, the, um, the whole plant you know, all the plants to grow them, of course, but the the cannabis is particularly a fun one to grow. So, and that it's, you know, that the legality around it is totally uh, easing up these days. Oh, I thought you lived in a state where it was, where you had the right to grow a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and CBD in particular, they say, you know, it's like, like he said, for his products, it's like selling a lighter. It's like, you know, like comparable to that. So it's like he, it's, the CBD is totally legal where I live. And, um, um, yeah, so if people want to check out my, my Etsy store too, I want to mention that the, it's at Etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. And, um, that sale will be going on that, that Friday for a week, extending that whole week. So I yeah. like green. I like it green. I like it much better green. <laughs> yeah. The black, black green. It was always a little worrisome to me. Yeah, I mean, there the wasn't seller, exactly sure know. what they were getting at, and if it was, if it was okay. So green, you know, mm-hmm. and of course it's why I became a green witch in the first place because people kept asking me if I was a white witch or a black witch. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I love so the green after, witch. After many many <laughs> lectures about um, white is not always good, black is not always bad, I just decided to have an out and the out was being a green witch and it was only then really and truly that that I noticed that how often in the culture witches are portrayed with green skin mm-hmm. and of course I was familiar with the uh, the uh, Milarepa right the uh, meditator who existed only on nettle and was said to have achieved nirvana on the same day that he turned green from eating so much nettle hmm Wow. <laughs> I never heard the part where he turned green, but I love that. Yeah, so I always thought, oh, well, wow. Mila Repa was a green witch, too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. uh, Interesting. We have I a... had somebody con... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Right. Okay, yeah, you. I had somebody contact me today, and they, uh, she was pretty upset, and it, she just brought up something that I thought was... That, that I think is really interesting because I had some thing happen kind of in a similar vein of um, she was selling some some cedar at like some different I don't know like in person someplace like uh, and she was approached by a Native American person that said that you know she was appropriating their culture by selling cedar smudge sticks and that um, she 
was stealing from the native culture and um, then she then had like a whole group of these uh, people where she, native people where she lived uh, come after her and she's decided not to sell uh, like the native plants where like any of the native plants preparations that she makes anymore because of this and she, and she was just asking how what how I feel about it because I, I sell some cedar and like some other native plant stuff and um, I, you know, I was like, I said that I would bring it up to you tonight on the radio because I just think that it's really, really interesting, like, to think that there would be, like, ownership over these plants and with, like, you know, respecting, like, all of the, you know, genocide and everything that's happened and, like, of course, we want to, like, respect um, the the Native people where we live and, like, there's so much like lost cultural like history. And I was just thinking, you know, like that we have all been so lied to and like, we don't really know like where we, you know, like what the truth of our origins are. So like right now we really need like these gifts of the earth, you know, like, and to like put a restriction on them just because, you know, she appears to be white. I feel like is not right, you know, and we we all want this like connection and to go back into the earth and I just feel like cutting off those streams of healing like in any way is like is not useful, but I was curious how you feel about that, Susan. First of all, let's talk about the way you use the word feel. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Kubler Ross. My mentor was extremely severe with us about the use of that word. Okay. <laughs> she said you can mm-hmm. feel anger, you can feel joy, you can feel sadness, but you can't feel like someone is doing wrong. That's not a feeling, that's a thought. Right. So... It's been somewhat difficult for me to hear what you're saying because you keep asking me to perceive your thoughts as feelings, and they're not. They're thoughts. And like all thoughts, they are subject to unexamined biases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The wise woman tradition doesn't cleanse anything. When I do a class on magical plants, I bring out plants that can be burned and will give off a smell. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how people have been conditioned to think of this as smudging and a way to get rid of things. And I talk about how different cultures do that. And then I say, that's not how I use it at all. I use the smells of these plants when they're burning to trigger certain brain states. Mm -hmm. And I describe in detail various ways that we can go about doing that. 
I think for me, I, I, I also, I mean, I don't use them for cleansing, but for holding space. Like, I feel like they hold like a container when you're doing ceremonial and spiritual work. So, so long as you are working with a plant in your cultural way, then you are certainly not usurping someone else's culture. Mm-hmm. But if you're but if you are in fact taking an idea or a way of using a plant from another culture, um then we do have to look at the charge of cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. And that's why even though I have been honored to be included in the ceremonies and the wisdom teachings of a great many different indigenous cultures, I never pretend to be doing indigenous rituals. I work in my Mm -hmm. tradition. Right, yeah. And I do my best to make it clear to people that it is my tradition, even though it is deeply connected to all of these other traditions and all of these other women which I think I heard you say, that mm-hmm. what we want is connection. And I think we can mm-hmm. have that connection. It gets perhaps a little less clear when someone says, the drum is from my culture and you can't use it, because, of course, then then we have to say, well, which particular culture didn't have a drum? And they all do. Mm-hmm. So... If you are selling something and you are selling it which in any way indicates that it is to be used in a way that the native people of the area where you live would have used it, then I think you are doing something that is is um, not in the best of everyone's interest. You're not selling cedar. You're not selling the idea of cedar or the cedar tree. You're selling a preparation. Mm -hmm. Was that preparation done in accordance with the rituals of the people that it is purportedly representing? Um, I mean, or I is it, use it is in the way that I use I have, I I'm haven't. I mean, you, I'm talking yeah. about what you asked me about this woman, this mm-hmm. unnamed woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it even all right with the indigenous people of her area who might use that for it to be sold? Mm-hmm. I think that they were talking about just about her using the plant at all, like using it. Like, I don't think she's. Well, that, I, like, I think that's what, clearly absurd. I'm not sure that it. Yeah, that's that, what I think. That, that's true, um, but I think that um, that it was more focused on selling, mm-hmm. not using. And 
what I said about the the selling part is like it you know it's an exchange of energy whatever that energy is for the time and the the effort put into sharing like this healing like what she's like bringing through with this plant it's I mean we just live we live in a way that we have to sustain ourselves in that way and that our time does equate to some sort of energy exchange and in our culture it's money and it's you know and I feel like are you questioning whether or not it's okay to sell plants at all I don't think that's what's being said well, that's what they were. That's what they were. I mean, that's what they were coming at her. They were with, saying that plants like should the, not be sold. They were saying plants, no plant should ever be sold. Not the ones that are native to the area. They're saying that they that those plants belong to them. So I yeah. Goodness, I can think I, of half, I can think of half a dozen quotes going rapidly through my mind from Native Americans, starting with "No one owns the land." Right, I know. I just thought it was really not. So, and so I, what I well, I can, well, I can certainly hear that they believe they own those plants, um, and I certainly, you know, give them the right to say that. Um, I. I am living there. Mm-hmm. And so they are also my plants. And they need to hear that and to hear my heart in it. Yeah, and I and it reminded me of sitting um in circle with another this uh Native American man um and he was saying, you know, like there like in a lot of places there's a lot of ego and he's like let's just drop it all right now and this is somebody that was shot in the face by his own people for sharing teachings from his indigenous culture and he said that um, all we can do like is to really like be kind compassionate and live in a way that brings happiness and that you know, like even though people might be coming at you in these different ways, like like cultivating that kindness and compassion and happiness is of the most importance. And even like in a situation like that, I can see like the benefit and the value of of bringing that through with like the cedar. Like I'm doing this in this way of of cultivating these this right relationship. You know. Yes. You yeah. live here too. Yeah. And you, by okay. virtue of living here, are part of the co-regulation. I've been attending a conference on the nervous system, and one of the speakers said that we can self-regulate but we do a poor job of self-regulating. We're much better when we co-regulate. When we co-regulate with other human beings, when we co-regulate with animals and plants and with the whole planet. Mm -hmm. And herbal medicine is people's medicine. Every single human being has the right to co-regulate with their environment. 
Well, thank yeah. you for for going over that with me. <laughs> I appreciate it. At, at 9 o'clock, we are going to be talking with Susana Cordorosa. Now, we all know that Rosa means rose, and uh, is of, and cor, of course, is heart, and it forms the root of cordial. Cordials are heart tonics. This is such a good time to make cordials, make elderberry cordial and hawthorn, cordial and chisandra, cordial, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we will find out what the, the heart of the rose has to uh, say to us. She is the author of Who We Are, The Code of Creation, a transformational book. And her most recent work is A Land Where Everything is Possible, an inspiring story about happiness. So stick with us until 9 o'clock or come back for Susana Cordero's. Yes, and if you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And we can go to our first caller here in the 845 area code. Hi. 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 Good evening, Susan. Um, I, want to report, I want to report on uh, wonderful progress. Hello? Hi. 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 Is this Maretta? No, this is Tatiana. Oh, Tatiana. Okay. I couldn't tell at first. Thank you. <laughs> I had asked you, but you didn't, didn't. So you have wonderful progress to report. Do tell, please. Yes. Yes. Well, um, as I said last time, I reduced my uh, medication to half of the minimum on blood pressure, and I feel a lot better. I go to the gym three to four times a week, and I I walk uh, on the treadmill, and I'm getting stronger. I still walk on, on very low speed, but that's fine, just being on my feet for 45 minutes now without hurting after that is a huge success because I, I could barely walk before. And uh, I keep, of course, doing the tinctures that you told me to take now for a year, the Hawthorn and the Motherwort, and apparently they do miracles for me. And um, I was wondering and maybe it's too early to consider that of um, taking the medication every other day because I I definitely want very much if possible to live without medication and what's your uh, thought about that and then I have another question I don't think it's too soon because you're thinking of it <laughs> right? And I trust your body. It's not like your mind is something separate from your body. Your body is saying, hey, let's give this a try now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're, you're in a place where you're pretty sensitive to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I have 
no sense at all that you're going to hurt yourself or run yourself into danger. That's a, that's of course the the problem that that uh, you face if you're not in touch with your body and you change your medication that you might not notice that something wasn't really right, but you'll notice. Yeah, I feel a lot better since I reduced it to half, and now I'm thinking, well, maybe I can take one every other day, the way I take the baby aspirin only three times a week. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, my sweetheart um, has cardiac problems and has several stints and is on, a, you know, several drugs, and mm-hmm. he notices immediately mm-hmm. if he misses those. It's very, very clear to him that he needs to go and take his pills. So it's not like you're going to do some subtle or strange damage to yourself that you won't notice. If if your body can't tolerate not taking the medication, you'll know. And you'll know. Hallelujah! I yeah. love that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, then my next question is, and maybe it is weather-related, I don't know, but... Um, uh, as I said before, I still have a, a burning shingles thing on my skin. But now, since it got cold, uh, the top of my feet, the area between the toes and the ankle, are very painful. And I put up Racine to to kind of deal with that, but it's really not helping at all. I mean, it helps very temporarily, like, you know, half an hour. So you put on what? Uh, Topricine is a is a, is a nerve yes. cream. Okay, yeah. it's, yes, it's a homeopathic remedy. I know. Yeah, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And you get a relief from it, but for a short amount of time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not not for too long. That's yeah. normal for that kind of preparation. Yes, I am aware of that. So maybe. So, you... for instance, um, I had very bad sciatic pain. Um, in my left leg after my surgery in May. And um, when I got home where I had my remedies, I said, enough of this. And I took a dropper full of tincture of Hypericum perforatum, St. Jones Wort, mm-hmm. every 10 minutes or sooner if I felt pain. And I did that for about 30 hours. Wow. And that was the end of that sciatic pain. Wow. This, is um, one of the, this is one of the reasons that people like drugs. You take a drug, you don't have to think about it for eight hours. You need to be more on top of yourself and more on top of what you're doing and more willing to use a remedy really, really frequently as it starts to work better, and it will. You can lengthen the time between uses, but if it only works for half an hour, reapply it after half an hour. There's mm-hmm. nothing on that that says you can't reapply it, is there? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at, at night I'd rather sleep. <laughs> I wake up. Have uh, you tried any CBD salves? Um, I tried the CBD in the past for my shingles, and uh, apparently I don't have a good relationship with it. 
okay? It, it didn't help me, yeah. It didn't help with pain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you have tried the oil of hypericum, and that was not highly successful for you either. Yeah, yeah, also. And even when I took um, later, uh, uh, I, I do have two bottles of it from Pharma, Herb Farm, um, the, uh, the Hypericum. Uh, I, uh, I have a feeling that it does something. I'm not clear because I didn't take it for a long time uh, for pain. Um, that it does something different to me. I don't remember now, but something is is not it the Hawthorne and motherwort it's like they're part of my liquid system i don't know how to say i'm i'm very beautiful way to say it that's lovely it's uh, yeah it it feels very compatible you know like Mm. i i can dance with them i feel very good with them ah yes yes yeah yeah, good. And see, that's exactly what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Sensitive and, and attuned you are to what's going on with yourself. I'm so glad. And there is one more question. Um, someone from New York uh, told me about drinking tea of avocado seeds for pain and healing, and I wonder if you have... have it's from the Salvadorian... Um, well, I'd never heard of it, but what a interesting. Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting. Right. I mean, I love avocado, and I have, of course, all these seeds, but I'm not growing it. Uh, she said they just make a tea, put the seed, two seeds, uh, five cups of water, and then drink it through the day. You know, and I'm already drinking a lot. I can't drink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Miracle, or if it's good for whatever, is, <laughs> you know, I'll I'll try. I, so I'm just. <laughs> yeah. She will add it to her daily routine of things she's supposed to drink. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, uh, I feel a lot better, and I'm extremely grateful to you and to your loving team. Justine and Rebecca, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay, and the next caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hello, Rebecca and Susan. I'm so happy to talk to you this evening. It's Rose calling. Hi, Rose. Hi, Boy, that was so nice to hear from Tatiana. Oh, did yes. Oh my goodness, very very nice. So, so encouraging. Well, I do have a couple of questions. Let's see the the um first one was about slippery elm. I have had great success with that, and I have passed on. <clears throat> that suggestion to so many women friends of mine who have managed to mention to me that they have, you know, all kinds of problems with digestion and acid reflux, and they've all said it was wonderful, it worked so well. Now, I do have a question because one 
um, of my close women friends said to me, I don't know, Rose, because I gave her some of mine to try. And um, she said, I don't know. I researched it online, and it said that um, if you have any sensitivity to, um, oh, gosh, what was it now? Slippery elm is, what else is in the slippery elm family? Um, She said something, oh, I know what it was. She said it uh, two different Sources. I guess there have been studies, and she said she read that if you have any at all allergy to pollen, stay away from slippery elm. I said, I never heard of that, but I'll talk to my mentor and find out because I've recommended it to so many women, and I know a lot of those, but I know everybody's an individual, so my suggestion to her um, immediately was, hey, just try a little bit, just like we used to do with our kids when we brought them up when we were introducing them to a new food. And all of, I, I do that myself if I try a new food. So why don't you just try a little bit? That's what I would do. And she says, I'll think about it. So I just wanted your opinion on that because I told her I would, I would ask you about it. So can you comment on that, please? Do you yes. think I did good? I think, I think that the Internet is one of the worst places ever to find out information about herbs. I told her that, too, because I've heard you say that before. So let's start there. And uh, secondly, I do not believe that there are any studies that show that people who are sensitive to pollen are going to have a problem with slippery elm. I could believe that somebody said that on some website because they will say just about anything on any website, including that the earth is flat. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I certainly could believe that she did read that. Um, and so then I think that your response was an excellent response. You know, just use a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the It's the bark of the slippery elm, so right. there's no connection to pollen. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little, uh, you know, casting my brain about trying to figure out how they could make a connection to pollen with that. Mm-hmm. And um, the few times that the herbs actually have been studied, and it's not just fear-mongering, um, they... Mm-hmm almost always use a uh, herb in a capsule. Yes, yes, I've heard you say that. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing I say to people. If they actually have a study, I say, let's see what form the herb was in in this study so that we can yes. actually make a fair comparison. Oh, good, that's good. I had forgotten about that when she uh, I just talked to her today and she was telling me that. So I had forgotten that point because you ha- you have mentioned that many times. So um, thank thank you for that. that yeah. Um, yeah. I will I will check check back with her on that and um, and see see what she said because cause uh, and I'll get the uh, the more details from her about these studies she she said she supposedly. I got interested in slippery elm because I read in a survival book that uh, the people of the Adirondacks in New York State were, first of all, called 
um, Adirondacks, which means eats bark, because they ate slippery elm bark in the wintertime. Wow. And And that a piece of slippery elm bark, about three inches across by about eight inches long, was considered enough food to sustain an adult for 24 hours for up to six weeks. In other words, you could have that a piece of slippery elm bark as your only food daily for six weeks and make out. And I wow. thought, that's what I thought, wow, <laughs> what is this? What is this stuff, you know? So, so it, it sounds to me like she's viewing it as a drug. Yeah, and that's and I, the other I thing I say to people is, you know, it's certainly true that some drugs are made of plants. But this is not a plant that could ever make a drug because drugs have to be poisonous. Right. And there is no poison in this plant, so it could never be made into a drug. So the kinds of cautions that we have to take with drugs, we don't have to take with this kind of plant. There are poisonous plants that we have to be cautious with. I'm glad that you are cautious, but in this particular instance, your caution is not warranted. Thank you for those words. Your words are so precious and meaningful, and um, I will pass pass those on. Um, Adirondack. Slippery yeah, Who knew that Adirondack means eats bark, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Thank you so much on that. Now, I do have a question for you, Rebecca, honey. Um, you mentioned something that I didn't understand, a word that you used a couple of times when you were talking to Susan. Um, you mentioned that you were making uh, something that began with, um, I'm going to pronounce the beginning of the word, uh, die. It's spelled D-I like dioto or something. You said it so fast, I didn't catch it. I, I don't think I'm familiar with that word that you used. Could you tell me what that was when you were talking about um, what when Susan asked you what, what have you been doing? You mentioned that you were working with the ginkgo and that you were making something that began with the syllable di, dieto or something like that. Oh, dieta. Um, yeah, oh, dieta is, is is used when you um, take one when you're working with one plant. The shamanic way of working with plants is it's kind of the same in the same way that Susan works with nourishing herbal infusions. You know, you're you take you're drinking one plant at a time and um, re- forming a relationship with it. And so with the ginkgo, I've chosen to take the berries and also making tincture from uh, the leaves at various stages of its growth and consuming that on a daily basis and then um, doing some deep like meditation with the plant and you know communing with the with the tree as much as I can and um, yeah so it's a 
it's a way of um, getting into deeper relationship with the plant. And how do you spell that, some, please, Rebecca? How do you spell that word, dieta? So it's something that, that uh, when I went to Peru and I <clears throat> sat with the medicine dieta. woman, shaman, yeah, this woman there, she they 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 use this practice of going deep with plants in this way. So it's a D I E T A, I believe. Dieta. And you pronounce it diet. Could you pronounce it one more time for me? So I'm going to interrupt. D I E T A. And it's a diet dieting with a plant. What's that? Say it again. So I'm going to interrupt for a moment. Susan, go ahead. Yeah. Susan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interrupt just for a moment, given what sure. we were talking about earlier. And this is mm-hmm. exactly exactly where cultural appropriation is. Oh, okay. When we use something from another culture, when we use a term, and we don't really know exactly what they mean by that, nor have we been initiated into that, nor have we been given permission to use that term. And when we use it in a way that is unique to you and what you mean, then yes, you are treading on cultural toes there, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Make up a word for it yourself. Don't take it from another culture, please. Okay. Yeah, so it'd be like diet, dieting with a plant. I don't particularly like the word diet because it has such negative connotations in our culture. Well, don't use so, it then. how about nourishing yourself with the plant? You don't have to use it. And even better then that you translate it and say, "Oh, I don't even like the word." Mhm. Mhm. So using a word yeah. in a foreign language that means something you don't like is sun, suddenly somehow okay? No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's not. Mm-hmm. Find a way to express this from your culture, from your heart, from your feeling of what you're doing, and then people mm-hmm. won't have to ask you to explain a word you're using. Mm-hmm. which belongs to another culture and another language. Thank you for explaining that, Susan. I, I get it I get it now too. Thank you. Thank you. That was so helpful. Um may, may may I may I also wanted to tell you that I I love the green when you were talking about the green witch. I actually was a green witch for my grandchildren for Halloween because uh, I had I made myself a green hat and you know I thought of you <laughs> you oh, know what? and um oh, it was it, it was just so me you know cuz I've been connected oh, I love it. with the plant since I was a little girl you know yes. it's just so me <laughs> that, so it's actually my go-to Halloween so- it's my go-to uh-huh. Halloween costume. It's the Green Witch. Green Witch, there you go. Oh, you do Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, I've I've been a Green Witch several years. That's what my my kids um, <laughs> they just expect that because I have the green tights and the <laughs> all already, of it. You already know? got a whole costume down. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh wow, that's yeah, we have that great. in common. We have that in common. And and uh, there was one other thing, if I if I may, Susan, I'll try to ask it quickly. Um, um, you mentioned bo- bo- making borscht, uh, Rebecca. 
how do you make your borscht, if you don't mind sharing, or if I'm taking up too much time, if, if you could, you know, maybe email it to me. Because I'm of Polish heritage, and I've been making, uh, it's borscht, borscht, we call it borscht, you know, has been in our family. And I think a lot of Eastern European um, people still continue the tradition. But I was curious if we could share, if we could share each other's um, recipes on borscht, or borscht as you call it. Could you do that? Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, let's do that, yeah, online because it's a little complicated maybe to, to to say the whole thing right now. <laughs> okay, sure. So how do yeah. I just go to your how, – how do I contact you? Are we connected uh, on social media? Etsy That's Etsy probably site? the easiest way. To your Etsy site? Are we connect- yeah, you could contact me on there and I could send um, – yeah, I could send it to you. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Susan, thank you for yeah. allowing me to um, ask these questions tonight. Thank you so much for taking my call. I just love tuning in to, to you. Thank you both Green. so much. Good evening. Thank you so much for your call. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night, Rose. Good night, Rebecca. All right. Let's see. The next caller here is in the 859 area code. Hello. Hi, Susan. So um, I just recently made um, a poke root tincture for the first time, and I think I did a rookie mistake, and uh, the root that I pulled up was bigger than probably the amount of medicine that I would use myself. Um, poke so roots are big. I, what's that? Poke roots are big. Yeah, that's what I found. I thought I was going for a small one, but uh, but what I what I ended up with was significant. I remember Zoe and Nicole coming in a couple of weeks ago and looking at me and going, poke roots are big. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> poke roots are big. <laughs> so, you know, tinctures last. You have made enough poke root tincture probably then for the rest of your life, and that's okay, and you'll be able to share it with others should they need it. Yeah, that's what I came up with. Um, so it actually six weeks from... My harvest date of April, I mean, um, Friday the 13th is December the 25th, so I'll be giving um, some gifts out, I guess. <laughs> Marvelous. <laughs> I ended up with part of the root that was too difficult to chop, and um, I I had read in a weed-wandering um, Karina Wood saying that she, that you can also make an oil, which I, I, you know, I put that chunk that I couldn't really <laughs> cut up into oil, and I remembered hearing you talk about um, using poke to dissolve um, tumors, but that it would burn through the skin. And I just wanted to make sure that you weren't talking about the poke oil when you said That's that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so I don't know that I would, ha- because uh, in Karina's would have article, very many uses. Asked- yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she said something about dissolving cysts or earth different things like that, but that would mean burning, actually burning through it or burning away. You know, a lot depends on how you actually use it. And there's very specific uh, discussion of the different ways to use it in the breast book. Okay, I'll, I'll check that out. I have the book. Great. Great. And then... um. I have a question about um, every year my my eye gets kind of irritated as soon as the heat goes on. 
in the house, and mm. sometimes uh, it'll it'll swell up, but and it also weeps. And I've noticed when I pull my eyelid back that I'm that I have like a little um, some kind of cyst or something that weeps. But this year, um, this year that happened, and I didn't notice any kind of cyst or chalazion, maybe is what it's called. Um, but I did put some St. John's wort oil on my eye, around my eye, but not in it. And um, and I actually have some poke root tincture that I had purchased in a um, in a first aid kit. But and I took one drop of it just because I had just made the tincture and I thought of it. Um, and I don't yep. know that it actually would have any bearing okay. on what's going on in my eye. But. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about why that might happen or good ways to deal with it. Tell me about the heat in your house. What kind of heat is it? Well, I t- I I've lived in multiple places because I rent, so it's been various so different it kinds. It doesn't of heat. matter what kind of heat it is. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like dust coming through the vents or something. Well, that's that was one of the possibilities, but it also could be that whatever kind of heat you have is just too drying to your eyes. Yeah. You are including comfrey in your rotation of herbs, of nourishment. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I believe that through um, using comfrey that our eyes and our mucous surfaces um, become less sensitive to that kind of disruption. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah, let's okay. see if that that can work for you. Meanwhile, right, um, yeah. chickweed is the herb to help moisten the eyes. Okay, so internal? You can take chickweed internally or... Um, if you live somewhere, and that even includes where I am, because there's not snow on the ground yet, uh, there's plenty of chickweed around fresh. Okay. This is the time of year that chickweed loves to be out and about. Okay. Great. Great. And then um, I had purchased some dry lemongrass a while back before I realized that um, you shouldn't use uh, aromatic plants to do um, infusions with and or actually I thought of I would just make a tea with it and then I had heard you say something or I read somewhere that you mentioned that it would be good for like a hair rinse lemongrass I don't use lemongrass at all it's not that I have anything against it it's just um, doesn't live where I live Gotcha. Okay. What I know of it is as a culinary herb, and it's the root that's used as a culinary herb. Okay. So um, I guess, you know, people do put it in tea blends because of the lemony flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then this, I don't really have a formulated question, but just a sort of phenomenon that I've, observed over time, which is um, occasionally I'll notice that it feels like my jaw is tense and 
I just have sort of linked that to, well, maybe that's happening as a result of holding stress or tension or something. And then I started to notice that sometimes the places where I think I'm feeling pain or some sensation are not exactly where they're happening. So when I'm having the sensation, I'm trying to pay more attention to what's the quality of the sensation and where it is and how it moves and that kind of thing. And so I just realized that it's actually not in my jaw that I'm feeling it at all, but more like up in my skull, like the mirror of where the jaw would be. And um, and I know that often when somebody might ask you about a particular thing that they're experiencing, you would uh, kind of give the work back to them to help them think more about like, well, you know, what they think it might be attributed to. But does does that, I am going to pose it to you, does that ring any bells for you, that kind of, that location or that sensation? The muscles that connect the upper and lower jaw. T-M-J, trans mandibular junction muscles are extremely prone to becoming tight and tense under stress. Okay. It's gritting your teeth. It's baring your teeth. In among monkeys, smiling is an aggressive gesture, right? Baring your teeth. Mm. Mm. Right, it's biting down on your rage. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's both sides. It's both in your skull and in your jaw. Okay. Quite correct. Okay. Meditation practices can help you turn off that stress and relax those muscles. Hypericum. Tincture mm-hmm. internally and the oil externally on the jaw can help those muscles relax. Okay. But you're definitely onto something there. Keep on. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I think. Uh, oh, I just want to say that I um, can't remember about when it was, but some time ago I called and I was uh, talking to you about my daughter and you gave some general insight not specifically toward her since I was calling Um, but I I shared with her what you said and anyway the insight that you had really lined up with a major shift that happened with her and um, I just I uh, am so grateful for for a lot of times the insight that you share that really goes against the grain with um, common thinking or, com, you know, what would be considered common approach or common sense. Um, I don't know if that was all too vague, but I'm just, I just want to share my gratitude for, for your wisdom. Thank you. I receive okay. it. Great. I'm smiling. Green <laughs> Green blessings. 
The next caller is coming from the 516 area code. Hi. Uh, thanks for Hi. taking my call. Mm-hmm. I am 57 years old, and my last period was in March of 2017. I've been drinking herb- a nourishing herbal infusion since September, but shortly before that, I had a blood test to measure my hormone levels. Uh, the results that that were returned, uh, everything was in range with with the exception of pregnenolone. So my question to you is, do you think that this result will cause any health issues for me? And if so, what herbs or herbal allies uh, can I partner with? I have a question for you. Yes. Who suggested that you have your hormones measured? Well, I hadn't had a pap smear in about five years, so I went to my uh, healthcare practitioner to have a pap smear, and it was at that time that she suggested I have my hormones level, my hormone levels tested, and out of curiosity, it was an MD. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Right. That was that was my first question. Was who who asked for this test? All right. So there are quite a few problems with blood tests. And especially with blood tests of hormones, um, and that is because the levels of hormones, when you are healthy, change hour to hour in your body. Okay. Also, um, We don't really know enough about hormones to even really know what, like, the appropriate level of any hormone is. Case in point, when they finally had a progesterone that didn't have to be injected but could be used by being taken orally, they went across the United States testing normal fertile men for testosterone levels. Um, so that they could set a standard, right? Mm-hmm. What they found was normal fertile men with a huge range of testosterone levels. So they just made up a normal level. So I, I kind of have to question why your MD would suggest that you have a hormonal panel unless she's hoping to put you on hormones and has some vested interest in that. And generally, by the age that you are, if you have had a series of pap smears, all of which have been negative and are not being sexually adventurous, it's kind of useless to have pap smears. Okay. And partly it's worse than useless because it puts you into a healthcare system that's going to batter you. Right. So you remember what they used to tell us about drugs, just say no, it's a good idea. When you decide to go for a test, to just say no to other tests. You want a pap smear? You get a pap smear. She wants to check your hormone levels? Just say no. Right. Right. Easy enough to do. 
Right. And had I been listening to your show before, I probably would have done that, but now I know better. But I still was wondering if it was problematic. But all along, we don't even I, I know just, that it's what problem. The the, the one, problem one, that it's one day at one time, your level of a hormone is low as compared to what? Compared to the reference range on the printout. And where did we get the reference range from? I have no idea. So what are we comparing ourselves to? Nothing, really. Nothing, really. And what does preglednisone do in your body? It steals, the, the other hormones steal from it. The center of all hormones is cholesterol. Do you have enough cholesterol in your diet? Yes. Then I'm not worried. Okay. If you were saying to me, no, I've decided you know, to be a raw food vegan, then I would say I'm worried. But you're eating a diet that includes eggs and small fatty fish and butter and olive oil and yes. nuts. You're fine. You're fine. Okay. You're going you're gonna to have you know, plenty of hormones and you're going to be hormonally very healthy, much more so than you could be by being tested and then adjusted. I understand. Because that's the thing, right? Like their solution would be we're going to give you a synthetic of this to get you in normal range. But did you notice that the word health was not in there? Right. Because no one can prove that being in normal range is healthy. And I suspect that you are more interested in being healthy than being normal. Yes. So pursue healthy. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much for your uh, wisdom. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Dream blessings. Good Thank night. You. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 831 area code. Hi, Susan. This is Gina calling from Santa Cruz. Hey, Gina. How you doing? Well, we, oh, had, every, we had every possible kind of weather here today. It was sunny. It rained. It sleeted. It hailed. It snowed. That's awesome. We finally got our first good rain today. All right, good. Um, so my question today is, like I said, I'm calling from Santa Cruz. Or I, did, I don't know if I said that or not. I'm calling from Santa Cruz um, where we had that big fire. Yes. Um, county burned. Um, I was wondering, we've been working in and around the footprint of the burnt structures, of course, with all kinds of PPE in place. Um, and with the groups that we've been working with, I've been hearing word of something like a biotoxin binder. And I would like to know what that's fancy for and what you would suggest doing, or I was thinking slippery elm powder. Seaweed. Okay. The algin in seaweed can bind to a huge variety of things from radioactive isotopes to heavy metals to um, plastic toxins and carry them out of the body. 
So just consume it, make seaweed stocks. You got it. Any way you can eat any. And I said to Ryan, Ryan Drum, I said, eating little sheets of nori, that doesn't count, does it? He said it counts. It does. I figured, because I know I heard you say that a while ago, that you didn't think it counted if you said it did. So You know, I would say don't let it be your only seaweed, but, you know, oh. in pursuit of getting a lot of seaweed in you, that counts. Because I remember, I think it was in your um, teleseminar, he was talking about um, having a lady walk around in boots full of seaweed. Yes, right? Yeah. What about doing something like that? Because we live so close to the ocean. I mean. Sure. So. I don't you know, think he was doing that. Thing. I think he was doing that because of arthritis pain, right? No, I know. I just wondered if it had similar, like, extractive or whatever. It needs to go through your gut, I believe. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. I, what do you think about uh, slippery elm, though? Because I've heard you say that it pulls toxins out of the gut as well. It pulls it poisons is poisons. the word that I use is the word that I usually use because that's what I've done is use it when there has been poisoning. Yeah. Okay. So, so just general you could try. I don't know and I'm not sure. I think that in some, some way it neutralizes the poison. I really couldn't tell you what the mechanism of action is. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to say that that was one of the things I was thinking to you, so. I'm taking your ABCs right. of uh, herbalism course, so I was def- that was on the list. Slippery Elf was the first one, but Kelp was probably a good strong second. Yay, um, Kelp. Thank you. You're right. welcome. Have a nice you too. Good night. Okay, it looks like we just have one more caller with a question at this time. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And the next caller is coming from the 201 area code. Hello, Susan? Hi. Hi. Um, I, uh, I, I wanted to thank you for writing um, these, all of these books that you have. I haven't gotten my hands on all of them. My daughter and I will buy um, uh, the research part of our local library, and we found your down there book and we were a bit like uh, a little too loud in our research department for finding it. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, my. I, I, uh, you, you've said in the past that you're not creative. I want to say the way these books are presented I find very I did not, creative. I have never said I'm not creative. I said I'm not imaginative. Okay, well... Do not conflate it, those two things. I'm extremely creative, but I am not imaginative. And that's okay. wonderful, because then I do not imagine terrible things like many people do. Hmm. Hmm. I see the difference here. I, um... I, I, uh... Well, what I was going to say was these books take you on some, like, very, uh... Mystical adventures. <laughs> so, Good. Just uh, what I want to draw you into a mystical adventure. How perfect. So uh, there's other authors though that write about herbal things, and um, there, you know, there's historically very, very many of them, and there's some contemporary people that uh, write some nice things, and 
there's some other herbal things that you read and you're like, uh, you know, puking and purging and bleeding. You're like, why are these people doing this? So I wanted to ask you, when we're sitting and reading someone else's works, what questions might you like us to keep in mind while um, uh, analyzing these? Like, what might, if you were there, what might you remind us to ask ourselves? In my correspondence course, The Spirit and Practice of the Wise Woman Tradition, one of the assignments, experiences, experiments, as it were, is to get some periodicals, some magazines or newspapers, and to go through them and to make three piles of ads. Is this ad in the heroic tradition? Is this ad in the scientific tradition? Is this ad in the wise woman tradition? And by doing that, then you need to be able to recognize what constitutes those traditions. And as you learn to recognize that, it becomes easier for you to choose the health care that's going to work best for you. So if you believe that the way to be healthy is to be measured and fixed, then you will look for practitioners who are going to show you um, that uh, women who uh, take drugs that um, help preserve bone mass have less fractures and you're going to want to be fixed. And if you have been brought up in a way that led you to think of yourself as um, someone who's inherently flawed and or sinning or having sinned, um, then you are going to um, prefer to try to be cleansed and balanced. And you're going to be, you know, really looking for somebody to lay down the law and to tell you what's right and wrong so that you don't have to figure it out for yourself. And if, in fact, you find that you cherish yourself as a unique individual with unique needs and a unique path, And if you choose to trust yourself and trust your body, then you'll find yourself in the wise woman tradition and you'll nourish yourself rather than fix yourself or try to balance or cleanse yourself. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it makes sense. So... Perhaps the question would be asking when we're reading this is, which pile uh, we feel this goes into? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which pile would you put that in? That's a good question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I'll, um, I'll tell my library they should carry more of your series, and hopefully I'll see you there and hear you here. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Bye-bye.
No one else has queued up at this time with a question. <clears throat> oh, I love it when all of the problems of the world have been solved. Mm-hmm. Oh, so how press wonderful. one. Anybody Oops, would like to ask a question? Yes, well, we know that's how problems of the world are, aren't they? Appearing mm-hmm. and disappearing like little thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. It looks like somebody just uh, queued up with whatever they're going to talk to you about. I won't call it a problem yet. Let's see. <laughs> Coming from the 231 area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. My name is Thomas from Michigan. Hi, Thomas. Enjoy your show. Enjoy all the good work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Uh, I, have a, I have a little problem here I've been dealing with since July. Uh, it's called scabies. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh, ouch. Yeah, it's been uh, uh, totally consuming. Uh, I've tried a lot of different things from the standard um, pesticides uh, prescribed by dermatologists and um, various essential oil blends and um, reading lots of stuff on the Internet. Lots of concourse, and I'm uh, I'm at my wits end. I thought, well, uh, my my sweetheart said, just call Susan Weed. I said, okay, I'll try that. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can help you out of this one. Oh, scabies is so terrible. They say that that's why that portrait of Napoleon he has his hand in his jacket because he has scabies and he's itching. <laughs> <laughs> it starts in between your fingers and in between your toes, but it goes through your groin and your armpits once it really settles in. It's also called the seven-year itch, so you said it's been how long now? Since uh, July, I, I noticed it coming on. So you've got six and a half more years if we do nothing, So, but just know <laughs> it will eventually go away on its own, but that's a long time to escape these seven years, right? Oh, gee. And for those of you who do not know, scabies is a parasite. It's a tiny, tiny little mite that gets um, literally under your skin, and it burrows. And it's, as I said, it starts in between your toes and in between your fingers. Highly contagious. You can get it from other people. You can get it from towels that another person has used. You can get it from walking barefoot through water that another person with scabies has walked through. Um, but mostly you get it from intimate contact with somebody who has scabies. Um, and they make their way up, digging little channels, you know, as they go, and of course defecating as they go behind, and their defecation is intensely itchy, and you can even itch to the point where you, like, you know, break your skin open and bleed, but the scabies is so far ahead of you that you haven't even gotten it. So there are two things that come to my mind. And the first one is hysterical hygiene because it is contagious. And that means that in one fell swoop, all of the towels and all of the linens and all of the socks and all of the clothes and anything that your body comes in contact with needs to be washed and ideally some vinegar poured into the final rinse and ideally, ideally hung out in the bright sunshine to dry, but if not, the dryer will do. But not like some on one day and some on another day, really all of it at once. And hopefully you can get somebody else to do that for you because you're going to be sitting in a hot bathtub with grated poke root. 
Now we just poke root. Phytolacca americana. Where did you say you're calling from? Michigan. We'll put crows there, yes? Pardon me? Phytolacca americana grows in Michigan, I believe. Okay. It's also called poke root. And it needs to be fresh. We were talking about it earlier on the show, and a woman said that she had made an oil of it, which is another option, but it's difficult to get hold of. Um, and then she was worried about it because she heard that it could, like, really, like, burn your skin off. Well, it does, in a way, burn your skin off, but that's how we're getting at the scabies, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In fact, you've already tried several ways of burning your skin off, first with chemicals, then with essential oils, and those apparently didn't go deep enough. But I suspect, because it's often the case, that they actually did get rid of the scabies on you, but not get rid of the scabies in your environment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying both these things have to be done basically simultaneously. Well, I've been bathing uh, twice a day now for uh, quite a few months, and all of my linens and towels and clothes are laundered daily. I don't know if my washing machine and my dryer get hot enough. Um, I don't know that, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. Just bathing isn't necessarily going to do it because this is a, a, something that's literally under your skin. No, I understand. I've, I've been doing other things in the in the bathwater, uh, various sulfur products and whatnot, and uh-huh. um, body body masks, and then wash that off. And right. Obviously, so I, I mean, like, I mean so you put like bag balm all over your body, and sat with that all over your body for an hour, and then gotten in a hot tub, for instance. Yeah. Right. right. Something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that has not gotten rid of the scabies. Well. The question I don't know is, have I killed them all, and, and, I'm, and am I just reinfecting myself, or uh, or is it a little bit of both? I haven't killed them all, and I'm reinfecting myself. I mean, something clearly isn't working. So, um. Right. I hear you. And, you know, maybe if you can get hold of some fresh poke root, and this is the time of year to dig poke root, because ground should not quite yet be frozen. Although you have a narrow window because the Arctic is rolling down on us, huh? Right, right, right. I don't know about you, but it certainly got a lot colder today, and supposed right. to get even colder tomorrow. Does the does poke root uh, is this the one that has those uh, purple, deep purple berries? It sure is. Okay, I've got it right in my backyard. That's big. Yeah, and it right now, of course, the top is all you know, killed back by frost. But you can still yeah, right. dig the root. Oh, dig great. the root, great and call. you can, you know, just grate it up or chop it up and throw it in a hot bathtub with you. How, how much? How much? How much should I put? Oh, time? that's a good question. I don't know. Boat roots are big, so you know, I would say you know, start with some and have some more, you know, grated there by you that you can drop in the water with you. See, see how you react to it. Okay. Okay. And then once a day, twice a day, several days, or just one time? I actually or? suspect that if you get in a hot bath with fresh poke root 
And if you do that for like 30 minutes, that, that will be the total end of it, and you won't have to do it again. Oh, fine. And then how much vinegar are you are you adding to the laundry? Just in the uh, rinse water? A splash. I just take mm, the vinegar okay. bottle and pour some in. Okay. So, what feels good to you? And gee golly gosh, I don't know. You know, at this point, maybe you need to, like, set up a little altar to the great, you know, being scabies and propitiate it. <laughs> I've been thinking I need to do something in addition to what I've been doing, yes. And that's yeah, that right so, a blues, write a blues right, number. exactly. Write a song for it, do a dance for it, something. <laughs> yeah, man, I mentioned, I mentioned for a fight, you know, sorry. <laughs> I got the scabies blues itching down to my shoes. <laughs> Thanks so much for your help. I'll give, it a, I'll give it my best. All right, green blessing. Call back and let us know yes. how it goes, all right? Okay, yeah, ciao. All right, bye-bye. Great blessings. Looks like we have one more caller before our guest arrives, coming from the 203 area code. Kidoke. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, my question is about my eye. I keep getting an inflammation right below my eyelashes or above it, like every month. It'll happen. It's really painful, almost like a tiny little cyst. And I put compresses, but they keep coming back every month and are just kind of annoying. Um, I went to the eye doctor, and he said that it was called Demodex, which are apparently mice on my eyelashes. So I just want a more. Yeah. I'm just looking for a natural way to help that. What did did the doc suggest as a solution to that? yeah, it was a tea tree solution, so a really diluted tea tree kind of foaming type gel thing. And he said I could get some type of like surgery if that didn't work, which it's not working, but I don't really want to get a surgery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's really difficult often to treat around the eyes because the eyes are so sensitive and delicate. Mhm. And especially when your goal is to kill a living thing. Mm-hmm. It can be really difficult to kill something without injuring your eye. Mm, right. So what kinds of things could you think of that would kill something that wouldn't hurt your eye? Mm, I was thinking hot compresses, but that hasn't really been working. So maybe internally something that would somehow balance mm. out. I don't know. I'm not that's sure. That's, that's even harder, actually. I'm thinking maybe clay. Oh, okay. Right, because living things have to breathe, don't they? Mm-hmm. And you could put clay around your eye pretty safely without hurting your eye, right? Right, yeah. But the, enough clay to hurt the Dermodex. Mm, okay. I think we could probably pull that off, right? Yeah, I have some bentonite clay, but I know that's yes. kind of, that's okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be perfect. 
Oh, and so just mix it with some I water, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And put it on there and, you know, l- listen to music or something yeah. and, and let it dry. And the way that I was taught to use clay was mm-hmm. that it's better to do a thin coat, which dries and falls off repeatedly, than a thick coat. Okay. And this is because clay, being a natural material, can carry mold. Mm. And if you put a thick coat of clay on someplace, it's possible to get a mold or a fungus infection. Oh, okay. Good to know. Whereas the thin application of clay is going to do exactly the same thing. What we want it to do is to block off the oxygen. But as we were talking about earlier in the show, this is another one of those times where you could do the drug just once, but you have to do the herb over and over again. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, right. clay, right? The thin layer of yeah. clay. You're not going to do just one thick layer and that's it. You're done. You're going to do thin layers several mm-hmm. times. Perfect. That's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. Thanks so much. Yes. Green blessings. Green blessings. And it looks like Susanna is here. So I'm going to go ahead and put her through. Susanna Cordrosa has had the privilege for the last 20 years of helping thousands of people to heal themselves, to know who they are, and to have successful lives throughout Europe, the Americas, and Africa through United Quantum Healing, Education, and Expanding Consciousness. Susanna graduated in law in Portugal, Lisboa, while also receiving a postgraduate degree in this field. And at the age of 30, she felt an inner calling to expand her consciousness, to teach, heal, and re-educate human beings for happiness. She awakens and encourages people to live their higher purpose and use the 16 senses we all have to make authentic, clear, healthy, successful decisions according to who they are. She teaches people to be intentional creators and co-creators instead of disoriented ones, empowering them to use their spiritual intelligence, combining reason and intuition, and act in the world with confidence. Susanna Cordrosa is the author of the book, Who We Are, The Code of Creation, a transformational book. Her most recent work is The Land Where Everything is Possible, an inspiring story about happiness, the power of dreams, energy, and the meaning of life, a story for people from the ages of 8 to 98. Her innovative and dynamic teaching methods and workshops have been recognized nationally and internationally, inspiring people all across the world. Welcome to the show, Susanna. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It is such a gift to be here sharing my experience with you, with your audience, and contributing to your community. 
and I feel very welcome as a rose, and since you are an herbalist, I feel ah. really, really welcome. Thank you. It's the heart of the rose. <laughs> you, you are the heart of the rose, and we welcome certainly the heart of the rose. So the first thing I want to know is, what are the 16 senses? I thought I only had five senses. Okay, okay. Wow, it's it's so beautiful that that you 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 ask me that because I, I also thought about it. So the senses are organs of perception, and instead of five that we are normally are used to know, we in fact have sixteen. So what we had is a, a, a dimension of life where we feel integrated with all the universe. And this concept is not new. In the, in the 19th century, a physiologist included nine senses. And uh, Rudolf Steiner on the 20th, 20th century really spoke about the 12 senses. So in my studies, I came across with this, this another dimension that is we have 16 senses, the normal five, and also we have vitality, movement, equilibrium, Thermal, empathy, clairvoyance, clairaudience, telepathy, intuition, inspiration, and the sense of self. And these are multidimensional, the senses are multidimensional organs of perception, capturing the visible and visible reality, making available to us. So we are not in our normal functioning aware of these senses, but we, we really possess them. So it's just like having a, a broader antenna for what the universe is, how we are, who we are, and just use them quite often in order to have a better understanding of life and also about how ourselves and who we are and what life is and have another meaning. So I really found this extremely useful because they are our most accurate compass, guiding us 24 hours per day, 360 days per year. And what I found is when we are using them, we really feel connected and complete. How does this connect to quantum healing and what is quantum healing? Well, they are connected because First of all, we are beings of infinite possibilities. And when we think about the word quantum, quantum is a, is a word that, that is associated with energy. The smallest entity of energy is quanta. Quantum world, our quantum world is related to infinite package of energy, small package of energy. And what is what is happening is when we consider our real nature as quantum beings, we are, we are also connected with this field of vast information. And the 16 senses really relate to this, this realm. So instead of us perceiving the world as a, a normal, linear, continuous, and objective world, when we come to the quantum world, we are really embracing who we are in terms of non-locality, in terms of, um, of um, discontinuity, in terms of uncertainty. 
and the senses, these quantum senses, really capture this big reality, vast reality that exists in the universe and exists within us. So the senses really capture this, this vast information and allow it for us to have it in real time because we are, we are open our windows to receive a vaster information and be in communication with the field. So because we are having this conversation with the field, with the quantum field, and we are connected to it and are part of it, uh, we can access this information, this multi-dimensional information at each time. It's a question of really being aligned with who we are and uh, and feel centered and receive the information, just, just like being in receptive mode instead of reacting mode. And when we are normally in our five senses, we are just just connecting with the material world. And when we are in tune with the 16 senses, we are really open to a vast world of possibilities, and they are our true nature, the quantum nature. A quanta is even smaller than an atom. It's kind of hard to get our minds around since we were brought up thinking of the atom as the, the smallest thing, but here are these tiny, tiny quanta. And so quantum healing, you're saying, takes us to the tiniest aspect of ourselves, to the most minute part of ourselves. How do you yes. how how do you embody this? How do you use this? What what do we do? Tell us more. Okay, so first of all, uh, it's really important to understand that our nature has these infinite small entities animated by consciousness, and we are also beings with with a body that it is also finite. So we encompass this infinite and definite within this realm that is our body, that is animated by a consciousness. So this is the first thing. And the quantum healing really brings this dimension about possibilities, transformation, um, always, always in movement, always in changing. Even when we are not aware of it, we are, we are being, being aligned with the, with the universe. And how I encompass this is just like, I believe that we are transient entities. So we are not fixed beings. We are people. We are per, people who are always related to the principles of the universe. And what is happening is when we are really alive to our nature, and our nature is a sacred nature, it's, it's a dimension where we interact with all the possibilities. And the unified quantum healing gives you what? Gives you the, the perception of wholeness that resides in each human being and wholeness is our our home 
also gives us the opportunity to relate with the nature of our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, our words, and how they shape our reality and how when we embrace our innate abilities, our innate capacities, we can communicate in a broader sense with the universe and we can share a common ground with everything, with everybody at the same time and we can shape reality together. So this unified quantum healing helps us to be aware of about, about who we are and connect with this field and I really help people to be in tune with them to be in tune with the field and also to really rediscover what they can do with, with their lives. So it's about healing in broader sense, but it's also about healing in terms of a, a health condition, but it could be a, an emotional issue or a psychological a trauma or pattern that it is, it is not correct. So it's really aligning yourself with a vast field and communicate in a language that resonates with your heart, with your soul, with, with your field of awareness, and really be in the present moment and transform the energy. Wow. I like everything I'm hearing. Pretty exciting stuff. How does one start doing this? You talk about the field of possibilities and that we are beings of infinite possibilities. That's the quantum way, right? Infinite possibility. But to most of us, infinite possibility just kind of freezes us and we don't know which way to go. Yes, this is fantastic what you are saying. Uh, I believe that we are not in the habit of being our true selves, honoring our potentials and capabilities, and being in full communication and receptive mode. This is the first thing, because we are so much more. So, on one side, being beings of infinite possibilities opens such a vast window of possibilities. It's just like, oh, I am falling <laughs> because this is so huge. But this is because we are not in the habit of being that because we, we in fact, are the universe. The universe is within us and everybody is a universe and the universe is surrounding us at each time with possibilities. Still, we need to also embrace our finite nature to be in the true human dimension and, and connect with this body, with, with the situations that we have in life and how we, we embrace this apparent dual dimension It's just like connecting waves and particles in the quantum world, just like the waves are the 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 things that we we have before being observed and when we we connect to particles we we look at something and something can appear and it, it can occupy 
space and time and have a dimension. Even if it's a small dimension, it could really encompass dimension. So what is happening in our life is that because we are not in the habit of being in and connect these two worlds and bring us to bring it together in our hearts, in our souls, it seems just like we need to divide ourselves to to have our lives, our daily lives. But it's not what we meant to be here. We need to be here to embrace all the totality. So it's just like the fe- the female and the, the male energy are part of a whole, which is us. And this dimension needs to be really seen and visible. And what what I show to people and what I want to live daily is really be aware about this communication, really be aware about this quantum world, really be aware of how can I be surprised, how can I be open to fully receive things that could be in store for me. And if I'm not open, I could not receive good surprises. I could not be open to recognize someone as a, a soul sister or an opportunity or solving a problem because we need to be in that place of I am a possibility being. Life is full of possibilities and opportunities. Life is always working out for me and I can find my way no matter where I am, no matter what. Yes. Yes. Life is filled with infinite possibilities and one can find one's way no matter what is happening if you are willing to be open. As I say, we all lead charmed lives, but you have to pay attention to the charm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The if you're not paying attention, it just seems like the same old life. But if you're paying attention, you get it. Wow, you're leading a charmed life. You bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Attention is the the most important skill in our life. And what is happening currently is just we have so many stimuli to divide our attention. So it's uh, manipulating our attention just can get us out of our own way of possibilities. But if we have an open heart, an open focus, but really a concentrated and intentional focus, this can bring us into alignment, into states of consciousness where you feel just like we are commune with everything. We are commune with this with this bush. We are commune with this flower, with this person, with this ray of sun. We are commune with the stars, and we can listen to the sounds of the waves in the ocean, even if we are miles and miles away, because we are paying attention to the song of the universe. I was listening to Joanna Macy, the ecological activist, and she said, we need to act our age. We are made of the earth, and the earth is five billion years old, and we need to act like we are five billion years old. Wow. Wow. 
Wow, huh? At your age. Yeah. What a stunning yeah. what a stunning thing to be told. Yes. Yeah. Thank it's you, really, Joanna. It's really like And thank you, Susanna Corda Rosa. If people are interested in getting in touch with you, Susanna, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can they can send me an email to Susanna at SusannaCordraza dot com. Also to to visit my website, SusannaCordraza dot com slash en. And in my webpage, I also have a, a free gift for them that I prepared. It is just like boost your immune system. It's it's just like a free guide with with a lot of love, joy, and also a lot of hints about how how can they tap into that potential and also do things for their own well-being and um and they also can if they would like to know more about unified quantum healing they can they can have a lot of information out there and um, and reach a session or having a session or also having a, a workshop a unified quantum healing workshop um, in the 5th or 5th and 6th of um, December. And um, and it will be online, of course. And they also have my books on Amazon. There are a lot of things out there, which is really good because I am here to contributing to this marvelous world where we really are responsible to, to put a new finger, a new finger to a different one, just like more more green. <laughs> more okay. green and pink. Let, let us, let us more spell green that. And pink. I want to I want to spell your name for people. S U S A N A Susanna C O R D E R O S A. Get that everybody? S U S A N A C O R D E R O S A Susanna Cor Rosa. All right, go ahead. Now that they really know how to get in touch with you, that's important because, uh, well, we still have some time left, but not a lot. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So they can enter sure. on our website. So when, when, you're, they can... when you're working with people, do you find that they have suppressed emotions? Uh, absolutely. So what is happening? What is happening now is that um, people are at the moment polarizing a lot. So they they become overreactive or underreactive. And the question is, overreactive? It could be just like an explosion, just like something. Someone says something to me, and and I I explode. But under is just like you block those emotions you 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 there are people who are people pleasers and they are always suppressing they are always 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 in in contraction and what is happening is um this suppression of emotion it's not good because they they really block our immune system and make us vulnerable to illnesses such as colds, cancer, depression, mental disorders, and and what I notice is we we have been taught to really express our emotions in a way that 
make us feel human and also that we can communicate them in terms of being really good, liberating our own energy in the way that is healthy. So what, what I notice is uh, when people are stuck in one or several emotions, namely rage, sadness, or fear, they aren't releasing them from their minds and body. They are always reinstalling them over and over again without their, their knowing that they are becoming prisoners of these emotions. And what really opened the light, it was to know that, to me, was to know that emotions are transient, unless we recall them. The, the, the normal process of an emotion is from a few seconds to more or less between a few seconds and 90 seconds, the maximum. So if we understand this process, that emotions are, um, are temporary, they are, not, they are not there to stay unless you do something in your mind, in your, in your thoughts, in the way you are seeing things, you, you start uh, feeling yourself just like you have the power, you have the liberation within yourself to transform your energy in a way that you can observe the emotions, you can see what is happening inside, you can say, okay, this is the emotion. It doesn't mean that this is me. And this is really help us to be not in control, but in command of our own energy and choose different options from a variety of emotions that we have. And we all know that when we were children or if we, if we have children, they can, they can cry and 20 seconds after they are laughing or crying and laughter at the same time because they are not attached to any kind of emotion. So they are running their, their full spectrum without, without, without naming the emotions, blaming them because they are having emotions or judging themselves because they are having this or that emotion. What is happening in, in our day-to-day lives is that we become fixed. So it's just like our faces become rigid. Uh, so we are rigid because we, we, we are in anger. We are rigid because we are in pain and, and, we, and we express sadness. But sometimes it's not the sadness, it's the habit the emotional habit. And what I help people is when they, for example, having a trauma or a shock and, and all of their body becomes stuck in that emotion, I help them to release the emotion and to access the power behind that emotion and suddenly they become free, just like because they were frozen. So, and if we don't... Ha- if, you, if we don't like to have just like bad things in our fridge and if they are not good, we take them out, why we freeze ourselves with emotions that they are there, they don't belong us, they are part of a mystery, they are memory, and we're still feeding and refeeding almost every day the same story with the same stuff. So 
it doesn't make sense, but in fact we need help to to just see, feel, and release all the energy and connect with our true hearts, and then we become wholehearted again. And this is really important. I find that because it has become habitual, that there is the fear that if it is released, that the person will be left with nothing. And Um, the best that I can do is to say, you might be left with nothing, but it will be a glorious nothing, and it will soon be full. (laughs) Yes, yes, guarantee. So, yes, you are Because there are infinite possibilities, and, and those infinite possibilities abhor a vacuum. So anytime there's an opening in your life, you can be absolutely certain it is going to be filled. So we've come to that very last part of the show where I ask you, what is it that you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening to you tonight? Well, first of all, I would like to to say that as being of infinite possibilities, we are creating our realities hand in hand with the universe. It could be strange when you are coming from a place of fear, of uncertainty, of doubt. But in fact, you can overcome that when you truly access your own heart, your own indomitable spirit. Because you have such a spirit, such an energy within you. You, you, you have such a fierce capacity to transcend yourself and conditions that you can and you will do great things with your energy. You need to refocus and re-encounter the balance that you came here to share. Instead of being a disoriented creator, I suggest that you start putting intentions. What is my intention for this moment? What I am feeling or what I can feel in this present moment that really lights my heart, that really raises my spirit, that really connects with who I am and how can I contribute to this world with my potentials, not with difficulties. And how can I embrace my energy in a way that makes me feel good? Because to make me feel good, I am really planting a seed that others really can feel good. Also, I would like to share a story of my mother, because my mother was an absolute, and still is a glorious being, because women are, are such powerful beings. They are pioneers. They are they are. And they are the, the, the knowledge transmitters since the womb. And I believe women and men are now putting their hands together to bring another level of consciousness. And I believe unified quantum healing can bring, can bring a new state of consciousness, a new possibility to heal yourself from within and really feeling 
and sharing your own wisdom with joy, love, and wholeness. And I do believe that we all have a purpose, and my purpose is to give birth to a new humanity together with who with you soon with all the people that really want to give birth to something that make us feel united and whole. What a beautiful vision. Thank you so much for that Susanna Cor de Rosa. What a magnificent contribution you are making to reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. Thank you. I've really enjoyed our talk and learning about you and the 16 senses. I'll see how many of them I can activate tonight. And Rebecca, I won't see you now, talk to you now until December. December 1st, everybody, we'll be back here taking a little break next week. Thanks, Rebecca, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings and good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Susan. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Susanna. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)